Thanks very much. Nice to be with you here again this morning. Uh, I like the series image you're using of the branch, uh, because a branch is alive, but only because it is connected to a bigger thing, a tree, uh, with the trunk and the roots, right? That's where the life comes from, obviously, out into the branch. And that's actually a great picture of our life on this earth. It, it's a bit like a branch that that has grown from other branches, particularly our parents and our grandparents. You know, we kind of have extended out in the human family tree. So if you can imagine the entire human race is one big tree that, whose roots go right back to a man called Adam. But the trouble is this human tree is diseased. When Adam sinned, the roots became infected with a disease called sin. And it brought death with it. And it has spread to, out through the whole tree to every branch. Now, the tree keeps growing. <laughs> you know, it still has some life. It keeps growing. But this disease is, is spread to every new branch that, is, that, it, that grows. And, and the entire tree is doomed. It's, it's going to wither and die. The human race is doomed. Sorry to put so fine a point on it, but scientists totally agree that the human race is a temporary phenomenon in this universe. But this section of Romans also teaches us that humanity is not a temporary phenomenon. God has not finished with all of us. Because beginning with one man called Jesus, God has begun a new tree, an eternal one. And this one, Roots, is connected to God himself, the source of life this time. And he, he has raised one human, one man from the dead, never to die again. Humanity is now eternal. And, and this new human tree that is growing is not corrupted by sin and death. It has no disease. And Paul is teaching us in this chapter here in Romans, if we want to live forever as a human, we need to be alive in Christ. We need to get ourselves, our wee branch, disconnected from this old tree that's doomed to perish and grafted into God's new tree that will live forever. So let's read chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. And I want you to notice where Paul describes those in Christ being moved from one humanity to another. Like the branch of a tree being pulled out of one tree and being grafted into another. Right? Notice where, how Paul describes that here. Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 
You, whoever, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Now, I am glad I'm introducing chapter 8, as it's so much more positive than chapter 7, isn't it? You know, we have reached this great turning point in the second section of Romans. From Paul's despair at the end of chapter 7, verse 24, where he says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? To these verses in chapter 8, where he says, The law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. In chapter 7, Paul had actually lost all hope of ever making any real progress in the Christian life and being any better than he was, in a sense. And then in chapter 8, as you will see, he, he is absolutely confident of being perfect, gloriously perfect, forever. And, and you, you wonder if that's even realistic. Us, Paul, perfect, you know, I can imagine us being improved a bit, but perfect. You know, we could be tempted to think if Paul met us, he might change his theology. But, but it is totally realistic. It is certain because something big has happened. This is not about you being improved. It's something far more fundamental has changed here. I hope you noticed it as we went through. We have been uprooted from being in the flesh and transferred to being in the spirit. What does that even mean? But that's how Paul describes it here in verse 9. That those who are in Christ Jesus have been transferred from one humanity to another. From one human tree to an, taken out of one, the wee branch taken out of one tree and grafted into a new one. And that means whenever we put our trust in Christ, Jesus baptizes us in the Spirit. He puts us in the Spirit is what this describes and that means he brings us into this living relationship with the eternal God through the Spirit. And this then becomes the most fundamental thing about us. Far more important to our identity than anything else, than our race, than our family, than our job, our status. Nothing else matters even close compared to this. You are now connected to the living God through the Holy Spirit. If you're in Christ. And this means you become part of an entirely different human race. We go from someone who lives for a short time and then perishes like a little flower on the end of a tree branch that blooms and fades to someone who will live forever in an eternal relationship with God. Someone whose glory will never fade. Now, a Christian just looks like everybody else but they are not. Paul is saying something radically has changed whenever someone goes, becomes in Christ. And they know the living God and they have a new identity and so they have been transplanted. They have been plucked out of the old dying humanity and planted into the new eternal human race. Like the branch of a tree taken out of that old dying tree that is doomed into this new tree that will live on. And this whole section of Romans starts in chapter 5 
with this description of how the original human race became corrupt through Adam's sin, through Adam's rebellion, and was cut off from the source of life from God himself and is now condemned to inevitable destruction. But chapter 5 also describes how God, through that one man, Jesus Christ, is growing a new humanity, connected eternally to God through the source of all life. So when I trust in Christ, I become joined to Jesus Christ. And I leave this old humanity and join his new one. And although this is invisible, you don't notice any physical changes, it is symbolized in my baptism, as Paul describes in chapter 6. He says, whenever I go under the water in my baptism, I am symbolizing that my life in this humanity is, is over. I am dead and I am being buried under the water. My existence in this humanity is gone. And then I come out of the water and that symbolizes me rising again to new life in Christ, to being part of his new humanity, a place in the eternal humanity of which he is the head. And this is what the New Testament speaks of whenever it talks about us being in Christ, or our life is hid with Christ in God. It is speaking of how God has taken this temporary person that I was in Adam, and he has made me eternal. In Adam, I am, you know, ginger, I'm five foot ten and a half, I am a computer programmer, I'm married, but all that's temporary. And this is teaching that beyond these things that you see, the real Stevie Rogers, the true and perfect Stevie, is hidden just now. You might say very hidden, yeah? But, but I will be seen. I will be revealed is what this chapter 8 is going to talk about. The revealing of the sons of God. When Christ returns and raises me from the dead and gives me my new body, I, I'm not sure if I'll still be ginger. Surely not. But, but until then, I am stuck in this body, in this humanity. which This body belongs to the old corrupt humanity, which is going to die. And this body is still subject to death and decay and disease, as we can well see at the minute. But when God moves us into... So, so, so whenever God does this fundamental shift, whenever he changes us from, being, from belonging to this humanity, why, why doesn't he change our bodies? Why doesn't he give us our new body straight away? Why does he leave us in this old body which belongs to the old humanity? Well, for a very good reason. I want you to picture this old body as a heap of dung. Sorry, it's, a, it's a, an unflattering image. Yours is maybe in better shape than mine, okay? But, but dung is, is, is smelly, and there's not much can be done with it, but it has its use. Do you know what it's really useful for? Growing plants in. Put a wee seed into some dung, and it grows really well. And out comes a glorious flower or tree in some time. And that's exactly what God is doing. He is growing the new us, the glorious us, inside this body of death, is what Paul describes it as. And this old body is really useful for that purpose. Because we need to learn to hate sin. Just like Paul does here in Romans chapter 7, that's a really important point in our progress in holiness. 
And we couldn't do that if we weren't stuck in a body subject to sin. And we need to learn to trust God. And we would never do that if we were not so weak and useless with no power to really change ourselves. So even though these bodies are temporary and they will die, they are the perfect vehicle in which God can get to work in growing and developing the new us ready for the new bodies. So there is no physical change, right, that happens whenever we have this fundamental transfer from one humanity to the other. So how do you know what's actually happened? If you don't actually see, if the person doesn't look any different, if no physical, nothing physically changes about them, how do you know what happened? How do you know which humanity, that's a really important question, how do you know which humanity you belong to? This old one, which is corrupt and heading for destruction? Or the new one, which will, which is destined for eternal glory? Are we in the flesh or in the spirit? And there's two ways, actually, in this passage to tell. Because the fundamental difference between the old human race is that it's cut off from God. And the new human race is that it is connected to God through the Spirit. And this is, this is what he says. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. We are in the Spirit and the Spirit in us. We are connected to God in a living relationship through his Spirit. God's Spirit is what holds this new tree together. So this is the first way to tell if you're a part of God's new humanity. Do you have a personal relationship with God and a genuine connection to your Christian brothers and sisters, this new life? And there's another evidence in this passage as well of this great reality that there has been a fundamental change in us. Because if we're truly part of God's new humanity, the new us will not just be entirely hidden until the day we get our new bodies it should actually start to be seen now. Some of that growth within will start to come out as fruit, as evidence. And this is what Paul says, that the righteous requirement of the law will start to be fulfilled in us as the Spirit works within us. As this new us begins to grow, even in this old body, what we could never achieve in the flesh in our old humanity begins to happen in our new humanity. God's holy law actually starts to become established or fulfilled in us. And through this section of Romans, Paul has been showing us our complete inability to improve ourselves. Yet now he shows that when God gets to work in us through the Spirit, there comes real evidence of genuine improvement. But it is only possible through the power of the Spirit. He will bring life to our mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. If we try to improve ourselves, we will fail miserably just like Paul, but if we let God get to work in us, real change happens, and that, the effects of that will eventually be seen. So I'm not sure if you've ever tried to change. Like, I mean, really fundamentally change. Maybe break an old habit, become more disciplined, I have, and I have experienced the same as Paul in chapter 7, total failure. And yet, I have changed. Not through self-effort, but as I have been getting on with getting to know God, serving Him through His, you know, 
understand his word, God has been at work in me, bringing about real change in more ways than I know. Because real growth is, is organic. It's natural. But it's also slow and messy, and there's plenty of falls. And that's why, you know, he starts here with this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No true change happens overnight. God says we are still, as we are learning, as the new us is growing, we are still stuck in this body of death, and we will fall plenty of times. <laughs> so, so God says he, w- this body is still subject to sin, and we will make plenty of mistakes. And he says there is no condemnation. You know, I am often disappointed and impatient with my lack of progress. But although we cannot make growth happen, only God can. How fast we grow does, however, depend on us. Paul will show us in this chapter, as we go on into chapter 8, he will show us that we are not just to be passengers in this process. We are to cooperate with his spirit as he seeks to bring about this growth in us. We need to learn to walk according to the Spirit, is how he puts it here. If the, if the righteous requirement of the law, if, if God's holy law is going to be established in us, if God is going to make us holy in the, in the core of our being, we need to learn to walk in step with the Spirit. We need, we, we need to set our mind, he says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. You see, we need to make, we, we have been, have a fundamental change in identity from one humanity to the other. But we need to make this new humanity our priority. You know, if we walk according to the flesh and have all our focus, our effort and attention in this life, and who we are and what we have here and now, and being happy and successful in this body, in this life, it will only lead to death. We will lose it all. It's doomed for destruction. No matter what you achieve here, you could earn the entire world. You could be the best in this world and, and achieve everything, and you will lose it all. And if we have no practical focus on the life to come, no real ambition or desire to become holy and to grow in our relationship with God, then we won't really make that much progress in this new life. This has got to be our focus, not this. And we need to learn to rely on the Spirit to bring about the change in us. We cannot change ourselves. So so Paul is laying out for us up front here in these few verses in chapter 11, a fundamental change. And what is this telling us to do? Two things. First of all, if you're not a Christian, this is telling you to become one quick. You give yourself and wholly and entirely to Jesus Christ because you have a short time in this humanity and it will fade away and your branch will wither and die, perish. But if you trust yourself to Jesus Christ, God will transplant you into his new humanity so that even whenever this body dies, the real you will live forever in a new body. And for those of us who are Christians, Paul is explaining that we have to prioritize this new self over the old. We have to make it our life's ambition to grow into our new life in Christ. 
focus not on who we are here, but who we will be then, whenever our true selves are revealed, are shown, whenever Jesus Christ comes back to raise his new humanity from the dead and show what God has been doing all down through these centuries, growing a new humanity in the midst of the old one. We have to prioritize our relationship with God and our growth in holiness. And in order to grow, we need to give up trying to change ourselves and learn to walk according to the Spirit. Let God lead us in becoming the beautiful, perfect masterpiece He has created us to be. It's hard to believe, but it will come true. God will show it. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we do thank you for these majestic truths, Lord. How Paul can take us from despair and disappointment even in ourselves, a lack of progress, a lack of change to absolute certainty and victory because of the fundamental change that Jesus Christ brings about. Whenever he takes us, takes our little life and plucks it out of one humanity that is doomed to destruction and brings it into his glorious new the glorious new people of God, the children of God, the family of God, a new humanity that is connected eternally to God through his spirit and that will live forever. Lord, we pray that, that we would see these things for ourselves and stop prioritizing our life in this world. Stop prioritizing our status, our identity here, who we are and what we have and start realizing that the future is in the world to come. The future is whenever Jesus Christ comes back and raises us from the dead and shows the great work that he has been doing, doing in us just now and gives us our new glorious bodies to live forever with him as part of the eternal, the glorious human race that, will, that is part of God's glorious future forever. Lord, we thank you that you have not abandoned us. You have joined, God himself has joined himself with the human race and made us eternal. And Lord, one day you, this great phenomenal will be revealed, this new humanity that you're building and growing just now. And we thank you for this great truth and for your word in Jesus' name.